Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Well, we had a glitch in the online service today and uh, we will fix it and it will be available later in the day. Uh, but uh, h- how good was last Sunday's service? It really is amazing and uh, realised I didn't need to preach in regards to all that God was doing. And so the online message from last week is what you guys are getting today. So if you've heard the online, uh, it's being reinforced this morning in this message that I've called Gather. And we are gathering right now. Uh, and if I was to ask you, Uh, name some of the ways that you worshipped God during the week. We would get a variety of answers. Most of them would be fairly predictable and obvious. Well, you know, I prayed. I I read the Word of God. Uh, I came to church and sang some songs. But I guarantee we perhaps would not get the response that I want to talk about today. And that is, I hung out with other Christians. I hung out with other Christians. And when we think about worship, we always think about it in kind of the vertical plane. It's between us and God and us and God and us and God. And what I want to stretch us with a little bit this morning is there's a heap of stuff that are expressions of worship that are actually expressed in the horizontal, in the way that we relate to one another. Uh, And friends, uh, I love this in Acts 2 and 42. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And all of those are expressions of worship. Devotion to the Word of God is an expression of worship. The breaking of bread, which is communion, is a wonderful expression of worship. Prayer is an act of worship. And in the middle of this passage, it says fellowship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And our meeting together is an expression of worship because God has made us for one another. We are created for community. We are created to do life together. And we have got to be committed to one another. Can I hear an amen this morning? Romans 12 and 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And that's a really, really rich passage And as Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome, he's actually writing to a group of people he'd never met. And it's interesting the way he signs off his letter. Now, I am a really, really task-driven, task-oriented person. And often when I've written an email, I've got to come back and reread it and make sure that I've personalized it because sometimes I'll push out the task, push out the information And I've forgotten to be relational. So I often find myself going back to an email and adding something. Hope you're doing good. How's the family? All those kinds of things that aren't necessary for the task, but are necessary for relationship and friendship. Um, It's interesting as Paul signs off this letter that he wrote to the church in Rome, 
His sign-off is not, see you later, hope you're doing good. It's actually a whole chapter. Uh, and in fact, uh, there's some great lessons to learn as we unpack this sign-off on this letter from Paul. I'm going to read it to you. Don't go to sleep. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Sencretia. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, who I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Statius. Greet Apelles, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the house of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the house of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Uh, greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, uh, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brothers with them. Greet Philogolus. Uh, Julia, Nerus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints with them greet one another with a holy kiss. Now I want to dig into this because we skip over this. We think it's just a whole bunch of really hard to pronounce names and it's the end of the letter so we'll just skip forward. But it is laden with these names that actually give us a richness and actually help us to understand the richness of fellowship that the Apostle Paul places such a great emphasis on. So as we use this passage as a template, what does fellowship look like? Well, first of all, you acknowledge people. You acknowledge people. Paul says over and over in this sign-off, uh, uh, greet this person and greet that person. Uh, reach out to them. Greet these people. And it's interesting, a couple of the commentaries actually point out that almost half the people on this list of people that he acknowledges are either slaves or women who in the culture of the day were not people of any significance at all. You would not normally acknowledge them. You would normally uh, kind of name drop you know, uh, here's a whole bunch of really important names. I'm le letting you know they're important to me. I'm name dropping. And because they're people of influence and power, you need, to, uh, you need to greet them. You need to make allowance for them. Uh, you need to pay special, a treat, uh, special treatment to them. But in this sign off of Paul's, he's not name dropping at all. He's not saying, well, here's the important people. Uh, I hope you're really impressed with that list of names. He's actually doing the opposite. He's naming common, ordinary people that would normally be people that you would not pay attention to. And this is exactly what the church needs to do. 
James 2 and 1, my brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes, excuse me, comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, well, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, well, you've got to stand over there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Friends, we cannot show partiality. We are to greet, we are to welcome, we are to honour, we are to respect And we are to value any person of any standing. Can I hear an amen? And I I reckon Life Church is pretty good at doing this. We can always do better, but I think we're a pretty friendly place. In, In fact, that's one of the number one responses that we get from people who visit. They say, I felt so welcomed. It was such a friendly atmosphere. So do we for those who belong to this family of believers, do we come to church on mission to look for those who are visiting, to welcome them, to greet them, to acknowledge them, to recognize them, or do we hive off in our own little click groups with all of those friends that we're looking forward to catching up with this Sunday? We've got to come here on mission. We've got to respond people to people, to newcomers, to visitors in a way that actually makes them want to come again. Do we make people feel special? Um, Patrick's feeling really special right now because I gave him a crunchy. Thank you, Patrick. Because the reality is it's not about us. Uh, I mean, it, it is a part of it. We, we want them to feel that they are special to us. But really importantly, what we're doing is actually reflecting something of God's welcome to them, God's acknowledgement of them. That we're saying, hey, we actually care about you because God cares about you. We, we welcome you because God welcomes you. You're important to us. Your family is important to us because you are important to God. And we want to share God's love with you. And I think the church, more than any other organization on the face of the earth, needs to excel in this practice of greeting one another to create genuine connections, genuine friendships in the life of the church. So first of all, we greet. The second thing we draw from this model of fellowship is that we affirm and we encourage one another. So not only are we acknowledging people, but we're also commending people. Again, going back to the sign-off in Paul's letter, uh, verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Sancretia. I ask you to receive her in, a, in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. What's Paul doing? He's actually acknowledging people's accomplishments. He's acknowledging their ministry. He's acknowledging the ways in which they helped and the ways in which they were a blessing. So here he is commending Phoebe. And he says, she is our sister in the Lord. She's a servant of the church and she has helped a lot of people. She's even helped me. So I'm commending her to you. So what does it mean to commend somebody's accomplishments? It means we actually, we show respect. 
We acknowledge those achievements. We build them up. We grow them. We, we have the power with our tongue to either build up or to tear down. You can use your words to, 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 to make people feel 10 foot tall or you can use your words to cut people down to size. You can criticize or you can praise. Some people actually grew up in homes where parents felt the best way a child could grow was to be aware of all the things they were doing wrong. I'll criticize all the things you're doing wrong so that you will learn to do what's right. And that is a flawed parenting strategy. There are a lot of people that carry the scars from that kind of parenting. Friends, when you praise people, when you compliment the things that they're doing well, that puts them on a growth trajectory because they're encouraged and they're spurred on. So we greet one another. We commend accomplishments. We build each other up. One of the things I, I think I just love about our church is actually crunchy time. Silly thing. But it's one way in which we just acknowledge one another. We are family. I remember really early on in the life of the church out in the fourth hall days, we, were, we had a visitor there. I mean, we always had visitors, but this particular guy um, uh, was there with a fairly judgmental spirit, asked all kinds of curly questions before the service even started. But he didn't make it to the end of the service because uh, he was so offended by crunchy time, he got up and walked out. And I thought, well, this is not the church for you. I'm sorry. You've got a problem with chocolate. <laughs> it wasn't his expectation of what a church should be doing. It's like, no, we are championing one another. We are celebrating. When you have something to celebrate, we are a family, so we celebrate together. And as we know, chocolate's a great way to celebrate. The third way. First, we, what, we, what do we do? We, we send our greetings. We acknowledge. And now, and this is a curly one, but we express affection. And he signs off the letter saying we, we greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, before you go reaching for the lip balm and the breath spray, there is a cultural context here that we need to understand. Paul is saying, greet one another with a holy kiss. When I think about that in a cultural context, I, I kind of think about the European double kiss, cheek, cheek, uh, which is not something in kind of our culture. We do affectionate you know, fist bumps and high fives and stuff like that or a side hug or whatever it might be. But what Paul is acknowledging is that human touch is actually incredibly vital we all actually need the interaction of human touch and I'm not talking about that in terms of intimacy I'm talking about that in terms of fellowship God has created us to be affirmed through appropriate human touch hey dude how you going this is a Bosca. I'm struggling for a name right now. Joash. It's the younger one. They just grow up too, too quickly. How you going, Joash? You doing good? 
just realised we're going to have to edit the message now that I've taken a little bit of an aside, but kids are cute. Anyway, you... No, it's okay, Adrian. He's totally fine. He's... Oh, my goodness. We've got a mosh pit. I've never had a mosh pit while I've been preaching. This is great. Now, listen, when we talk about affection in the family of God, we've got to be very, very aware of one another's boundaries. Some of us are comfortable with it. Others aren't. I remember back in the early days of the fourth hall again. I don't know why we keep going back to the fourth hall, but uh, we had a lady who's no longer with us, but she was very, very uh, enthusiastic on the door. She was a beautiful person, great welcomer, would give everybody a hug. And uh, there was another lady uh, who wasn't wired that way at all. And she actually found the courage to say something to him. She said, look, I've just got to say, I'm really not a hugger in the hope that this other woman might have got the message. To which she replied, well, I am, so get over it. So we had to talk through that one. But we've got to be so respectful of boundaries in this area of intimacy, but what we're, sorry, in this area of touch. But what we've got to realize is that there is a place for appropriate affection. God has created us for that. And I think there's one thing the pandemic has showed us is that isolation and that, that lack of human interaction, even human touch, is so detrimental to us emotionally and mentally. Can I hear an amen? Jesus actually models this so well. He touched the untouchables. He reached out and touched lepers. Nobody touched lepers. He touched children. Nobody had time for children. He even reached out and touched tax collectors. And friends, the reality for us as a church, this is one of the ways that we express God's love because we have in our own cultural context people who would be considered the untouchables. And we've got to step out of our comfort zone and greet people and encourage people and where it is appropriate, offer that blessing of human touch. We have the shut-ins and the elderly and the sick and the, and the lonely, those who seldom receive any form of human touch. And it's so important that we need to learn how to express Holy affection in a physical way that communicates appropriately our love and our concern for others without it being something that intimidates or scares people away. And then the fourth way we affirm and encourage one another is to confer a blessing. That sounds really weird. What do I mean by that? Romans 15 and 33, Paul says, The God of peace be with you all. Amen. More of Paul's writing, 1 Corinthians 16 and 23. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Galatians 6 and 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. What are those? They are blessings that he is conferring. These churches that he's writing to, he is conferring this blessing to them. And this is so important. Some of us in former churches may be a, a little bit more um, liturgically structured. The service would often be uh, uh, concluded by the priest or the, the minister raising his hands and conferring a blessing over the congregation. May the peace of the Lord or whatever it might be uh, be with you. 
Now that becomes something that is so routine that it loses its significance and importance, but it's actually a very, very valid thing. In fact, it was so common uh, in the Old Testament um, where fathers blessed their children, leaders blessed their people, it was so common that the lack of blessing or the loss of a blessing in the Old Testament was actually considered to be the opposite. It was considered to be a curse. So in our own context, how do we go about conferring a blessing on someone? Well, a blessing is simply asking God's favor to rest upon somebody else. And our love for them is the, the vehicle that God uses to impart that blessing. In other words, if I really care for you, uh, then through my love for you, one of the greatest expressions of that love is that I can confer a blessing on you. I, I often, in my emails, in my communication, I'll say blessings or God bless or praying for you. That's, that's not, they're not throwaway lines. Uh, that is something that is sincere from my heart with this in mind. That we are to confer that blessing on one, on one another. Parents, here's something. I used to do this when our kids were young. Uh, is that when they were settled at night and asleep, I would just go through our house just pr praying a blessing over my kids as they slept. Um, they're now, well, we only have two left at home uh, and quite often uh, I beat them to bed. Uh, so I generally do it early in the morning if I do it now. But this is so valid. It's so valid. And we say God bless not just because it's some polite Christian greeting. I say it certainly because I truly want God's blessing to be upon you, to be evident in your life. I want to bless you in the same way that God has blessed me and confer that as an expression of God's love to you. Friends, God expresses to us every blessing. In fact, Paul says, I don't have the context, the, um, the, the scripture on screen. But he says, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And when we look at what we have and what we have that's been appropriated for us at the cross, I tell you what, we are so incredibly blessed as God's people. God has demonstrated his love for us in Christ. We have received that blessing and now... As we're created in the image of God, we need to be people who carry that blessing to others. So here's one last thing as we close, and I'll ask the team to come back. John 13 and 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And friends, our fellowship, and this is the take home for today, our fellowship is a valid expression of our worship of God. Gathering together is, is an expression of our worship of God. I was in Melbourne this week for a leaders summit, um, about 100 people in the room. Uh, all of the state executives uh, from our nation that sit on the executive board of the um, Australian Christian churches uh, and some of the other significant leaders. We were in the room and it was just an incredible day and a, a day and a half together. 
Uh, but one of the statistics uh, that came through uh, was the declining trend of regular attendance in church. And I've spoken about this before. But the sad thing is every time I hear this stat, the stat gets lower and lower and lower. And so they're saying of committed Christians who belong to a church family, the current statistic according to, to uh, robust research is that 22% of Christians, professing Christians committed to a church, are in church any one Sunday. 22%. That means there's 78% of Christians not in church today. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We live in a 24-7 uh, economy. We, we live in this, uh, you know, sun, Sunday is no longer sacred and we've got our kids playing sports on Sunday. That's all valid. But we've got to understand, importantly, from today's message that our gathering together is not really an optional thing. It is a valid expression of worship that we must commit to because we do need one another. Amen. Uh, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty this morning other than, as I continue to say and will continue to say, if we are modeling to our children that regular church attendance is once a month or once every six weeks, what does regular attendance then look like for their kids? What will they be modeling to their children according to the patterns that we have modeled to them? And so... You know, we have this decreasing uh, statistic of people in the room. And I know online and all that sort of stuff, we praise God for those resources. But it can never be at the expense of failing to do fellowship with other people. We need that. We need that emotionally. We need that uh, mentally. We need that spiritually. But more than that, it is one of the ways in which we worship God and our gathering together, God is pleased with. And so we must commit to one another, to doing that journey, to doing life together, to encouraging each other, to greeting each other, to confer a blessing upon one another, to celebrate one another's achievements, all of those things that we, we discover in Paul's sign-off on this letter to the church in Rome. And in our fellowship, not only is it something that is a valid expression of our worship to God, but it is a valid expression of the reality of our faith to the world who is watching on. And that's what it says in John's Gospel there. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And may our fellowshipping together, our gathering together, may it be such an incredible witness of the reality of God to the world around us that increasingly is becoming disconnected. Increasingly, uh, you know, community is fragmented. May the church, may this church be the best example of community to the community that God has called us to reach. Amen.